And welcome back, Bears fans, to a, another episode of Bears on Tap. Ron and Juice couldn't make it today, so I got our friend, on tap writer, Nick DeMeo, to come on the show with us. How you What's doing up, today, guys? Nick? Good. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I'm, I'm super excited. So, Nick, where can people find your work at? Uh, you can find it at on tap. Um, you can follow me at on Twitter at sniper underscore one one five four. Those are the two biggest things. Um, sometimes I can uh, contribute to Reddit if you want to find me. Same username, no underscore. But yeah, you'll see me. Uh, I try to pump out as much content as I can. Um, you know, the Bears give us a lot to write about. Mostly bad, sometimes good. So I try to cover both yeah. ends of the spectrum. So. Yeah, um, and if anyone out there, if, if they are not familiar with Nick's work, I highly suggest going and checking it oh, out. thank you. He, like, you have gotten some awesome numbers on your articles, and, like, you, you've done an outstanding job with your writing. It's it's really good content, so go ch- go make sure you check him out. Well, uh, thank but you. Anyways, today we are talking about the Bears, obviously, but yeah, the Bears yeah. at the halfway point. <laughs> like our assessment of their season. That's the word I was like for. I was like, what's the word? Assessment. Yeah. Assessment. Uh, um, huh. So we're here to assess what the Bears have done to this point and set some expectations for what to expect in the second half of the season. Um, so I, I say we just jump right on in. What do you think, Nick? There's a lot to cover. I mean, yeah. I think you had the first three letters right in assessment when it comes to the Bears this year. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it. They've done some good things, but um, – yeah, let's let's roll forward because there is a lot to lot to talk about. All right. So the first thing we're gonna talk about, we're gonna jump in on the offense and specifically the passing offense. So the first question that we're we're, we're gonna do each of these passing offense, rushing offense, passing wow. defense, rushing defense. So on the passing offense, Nick, what do you think has gone right for the Bears this year? So it's it's interesting. I think you have to it, it's almost like you have to combine what Justin Fields did well with what Tyson Bagent did well to get a full picture of, I think, what they want the offense to look like. Because it's been disjointed with both quarterbacks. I think with Justin Fields, you saw what they want to do with the deep crossing routes, the, the downfield throws, especially in the Washington and Denver games. I think it really came uncorked there. Um, but you saw him not do some of the stuff Bajan did well, which I thought was the horizontal game, uh, the, the, the quick screens, the uh, stuff closer to the line of scrimmage that uh, a field is always, I guess, infamously at this point struggled with. Um, I don't know. I think it's more of a mental hurdle than anything physically or, uh, you know, something of that nature that he can't overcome. But for whatever reason, when you take both of them together, you see, I think what they want the offense to be. Um, you've seen flashes. I think you could obviously point to DJ Moore. He's um, he, he's exceeded that. Well, I wouldn't say exceeded expectations, but he's been a number one receiver, which the Bears haven't had since you know Allen Robinson back almost five years ago. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a weird. It's such a weird place with the passing offense because I feel like there's a lot of potential, but it almost comes. It almost never feels like it all comes together. It feels like it's always like maybe there's one part of it working to one guy. Like last week, Mooney right. got going. They got Mooney going. And then, you know, all I felt like they were really doing was getting him involved in the cross intermediate crossing game. And then the Saints adjusted and took that away. And then you saw interceptions start piling up. But I, I think they know what they want to do. It's just 
they can't seem to put it all together. But yeah, I would say what has gone right is you've seen flashes, maybe more so this year than in previous years. It's just, uh, it's definitely, you can draw a line in the sand between when Fields went out and when Bajan went out and where the different pros come in the passing offense. Yeah. And so I wanted these questions to be fairly vague because I, I always like to, especially with guests, like to get them to kind of interpret the question they want to and get right. some kind of different responses to keep us from repeating the same thing. So my approach mm-hmm. is a little different. I went more to like player specific, very, very much so. Okay, and cool. So my answer here with the passing offense is Tyson Bajan. Yeah. So like if I'm looking at one thing that I'm saying, I am pleasantly surprised with this this season. It is the fact that the Bears have a backup quarterback on a UDFA contract for the next three years. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's three years, right? Before he's a restricted free agent. Yeah. And I have another year yeah. after that, like with the, uh, was it the, not the qualifying offer, that's baseball, but the. Uh, yeah. I remember they did it with Mustafer. It was something. Yeah. Like, it, it was like a, yeah, it's like an RFA. And then I think you can assign the tender or something like that. Yeah. How it all works, but yeah, it's something like that. But I mean, you look around the league like the last few years. I mean, saw Chase Dan- Bears paid Chase Daniels had a million. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that. That is the cost of a quality backup, and that is more cap space you can spend on an edge rusher, on a defensive tackle, on a center, on an right. offensive guard for this offense in the coming years. So I think that is a huge plus to me, and that's that's something that I say that has clearly gone right. So outside of that, the other options I was considering, um, DJ Moore, I can't say, like, it's gone right. It's been what we expected it to be, maybe a little more even. Mm -hmm. And um, just in recent weeks, I still need to see more to be completely sold on it. But Cole Komet. Cole Komet looks to be turning a bit of a corner right now. And we need to see it happen week on week on week. Like I feel like he stacked two weeks in a row just now. But, like, him – I come into this year and even through the first few weeks, it was like, I could not bear to watch Cole Komet get bodied <laughs> by a guy who's 200 pounds anymore. Yeah. Like I just, I, I just, I, it, it's something that just, you, you don't want to see right. and from a guy that big, a guy that strong and that physical and other aspects of the game. Like he's not the best blocker on earth, mm-hmm. but he sure he tries and he's physical yeah. with it. It's not like the guy's yeah. scared of contact. So it was just, odd it's, it's really nice to see him kind of coming into that that physicality i think that's something that you're seeing going right right now right. especially when you consider you look at some breakout seasons for tight ends it's usually around 24 25 years old which fits right. with commit right yeah now. that's just a data point you can point to and be like okay maybe that 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 makes some sense right. here um now the next item here what's gone wrong with the offense and why um so right off the bat i had i looked it up today because i was curious how many big plays they've had which i believe is uh 20 yards downfield is what they categorize as a big play the bears are the they're tied 26 in the league with the giants with 11 um which seems it kind of seems incongruous to what you would expect especially because they like i said they've been flashing so you would think they've had a lot of big plays downfield but they have been few and far between, and I think they've been isolated, also clustered into those two big games um, with the uh, Commanders and the uh, Broncos. So, you know, Justin Fields wants to go downfield. I know there were reports at training camp. Everything was short 
compact, compressed. It seemed like they were trying to, it almost felt like it was, I mentioned this on Twitter and it almost feels kind of like a weird, it almost feels like they blended what Matt Nagy wanted to do with the downfield passing attack that you might see in these like play action heavy schemes, especially with the horizontal stuff. And you're just not seeing the the complement of that, which is the big plays downfield. Um, and I think that comes with inconsistent quarterback play. I, I think, you know, you, I, I like Justin Fields. I've been a fan of his since high school. I, uh, I literally, I could walk to where he went to high school. His parents live in the town next to mine. I mean, I've been following his career, so I want him to be the guy. But I just think, um, you know, I, I, I think you have that inconsistent quarterback play. And as far as players that have been disappointing, Cody Whitehair has been, I think, one leg in retirement, literally because I don't think his lower body is anywhere what, what it used to be even three years ago. And I was trying to remember, I think it was the COVID year. He went out. It was, do you remember that game? It was, I think it's the Titans. And they started literally, everyone on the offensive line was uh, brand new. Like it was replacement yeah, players. I remember and that. I, I think Cody went out with, COVID and a calf injury. And I think that calf injury, I don't know if he's ever recovered from it because I've noticed um, it just seems like he doesn't have that anchor and that lower body strength that he did the first six or seven years of his career. I guess he's he's actually not as old as I think, but the first three or four years of his career when he was, I think, a yeah, mainstay. Since what, 2016? Yeah. Yeah, 2016 uh, he was drafted <laughs> in like through 2020. It was like you still felt pretty good about yeah. it. Yeah. So I think this is his eighth year. With the Bears. Yeah, and you know, I I never under I mean I understood why they wanted him back at center. I just felt like he's always had issues snapping the ball, and he made up for it with athleticism and an ability to get out at the second level from the center position. And even if I think a perfect world, he would have always struggled. I think Lucas Patrick would have taken over eventually, just because I, I don't think he has the the juice anymore to kind of. Um, you know, block those bigger defensive linemen than he could, you know, back when he was a rookie in a few years into the league. Yeah. I mean, so white hair is central to my answer as well. And I'll get to my actual answer in a minute, but um, I, I think it's clear. I mean, I, if for on tap, I'm, I'm writing weekly articles, ranking the bears off yeah. linemen. Right. And I, so I'm going through the all 22, every play I'm watching the tape five times through at once yeah. for every position. And white hair is the one that I look the least forward to. Cause it's like, yeah, th this guy's a veteran. This guy has been, he he's given so much to the bears and two bears mm -hmm. fans. And I hate, I, I can't sit there and rip him. I just oh, can't, you it's know, so depressing. Um, like it, it's so depressing. <laughs> if he was a rookie, yeah, I'd try rip him. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like, it's to to your point about the the lower body strength. There's no drive in his run blocks anymore. Yeah, right. It's yeah. just kind of like he's stuck. He he can stand in place, but he can't do much else as a run blocker. He can't hit the reach blocks he used to, and it just you see him get punked every now and then on pass blocks. And oh, it's just yeah. not. It, it's not quality line play anymore. Yeah. it's not it, even standard line play it's below it, yeah it, it reminds me of kyle long in his last year as a bear yeah. that raiders game in london where it was just like you saw like and it, it, it's really like it's like watching your dog get older you're like oh my gosh he's, yeah. he's slowly like it's 
you know, and you take for granted, especially someone like Whitehair, who not for nothing has been the model of consistency since he was drafted, which is rare for a Bears lineman because yeah. none of their offensive linemen tend to ever, like, amount to anything. So to see him just kind of, like, just just go off a cliff, I mean, I think he'll still bounce around as a backup, um, maybe, but I wouldn't be surprised if – I don't think he'll retire because I think the Bears owe him still, like, I think they'll cut him and then – um, you know, he'll, maybe he'll latch on as a, you know, as a backup. So I still think he could have experience, you know, have value <clears throat> as a backup somewhere, but I don't think he's, I think his starting days are over. Sorry. My yeah. I, I think, oh, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> they're just, they're tired of hearing about Cody. They're, they're disappointed. They're disappointed about white hair. Yeah. I think for there. him, some of the, uh, like that's going to come down to how badly does he want to ring? You know, how bad yeah, does he want yeah. to uproot his family to go ring chasing? Because I think mm-hmm. a, a, a lineman like him who offers left guard, center, right guard <clears> depth, <throat> mm-hmm. he'll latch on somewhere as a backup if he wants to. But it's like a question of do you want to uproot your family for Right. Um, but so, like I said, I get to mine in a minute. Mine's the power run game. And yeah. the reason I said that's central to Whitehair and Patrick is because they are really the, the – and Borum when Borum yeah. was still starting at left tackle, like mm-hmm. those guys were, they've been fine in pass protection in my book. Right. All three of those guys have been, you can get by with them in pass protection, but they're the push that they can generate in the run game is just minimal. Yeah. You know, that they're all more catch and stand their ground kind of players, mm-hmm. which means you can really only reliably run to the right. Then you have Darnell Wright's shoulder injury really right. impacting that, and mm-hmm. you're really just asking Tevin Jenkins to plow with that. Point. Yeah. So well, I looked it. I looked it up because uh, I was curious about that about the running game because I was wondering if the Bears favored and and it's true they favor the right side more obviously, but they get almost a full yard per carry or more than a full yard per carry running to the right than running. I think it's five point one yards per attempt to the right versus three point nine to the left, and it's exactly why you said it. I mean, those guys just, they cannot, they cannot create running lanes. They, they, you know, it's rough. (laughs) So I actually also realized I just jumped the gun. That's all right. That's all right. In my opinion, what's gone wrong in the passing offense. Now this one, I need to go back a few weeks for, right? So I need it to be about Justin Fields. Yeah. And for me, that's, it, it, it all comes down to his, his growth in his vision to see the middle of the field. Cause yeah. that's where in college didn't like the middle of the field in the right. NFL so far, he hadn't liked the middle of the field. We needed to see him grow in that, especially that 10 to 20 yard range in the mm-hmm. middle of the field. Cause that's, what's going to open up your sidelines and your vertical shots, like the willingness to hit that. And it's just something that he, we're still seeing him question when he was playing we're, we still saw him unless it's, you know, Cole Komet breaking wide open on a cross right. or off a of play action, which is kind of mm-hmm. cheating. You know, that's not yeah, that's yeah, not what you need. It can help you open it some, but it's not going to bust the door open either. Yeah. Well, they brought in Robert Tunyon, and I thought, you know, um, you know, we mentioned it. I, I think you and I were talking about how last year we could chalk it up to well, they're rolling out Byron Pringle and hoping he can be that guy. Yeah. And or uh, you know, um, gosh, who was the guy behind? It was that. A tight end that came from the Jets. I don't even remember his name, but um, oh, um, uh, I, I have 
he was not right. Yeah. Anyway, it was a forgettable yeah, guy. Texans like, was, player for years. Yeah, Ryan yeah. Griffin. Ryan that's Griffin. Right, that's right. And then they went out and they got Robert Tunyon. And I was like, this is great because this is a guy that if you look at his receiving, you know, by the field, you know, he's extremely effective in the middle of the field and has been his entire career. Um, and I was thinking, okay, this is great. They've got a guy that now they can line up two tight ends and he can work the middle of the field. He can, you know, get seven, eight yards on first down, easy, easy money. And I don't, I think he has like seven catches on the year. And I don't even know yeah. if a lot of them have come. I remember at least half of them have been on, you know, out routes. It doesn't seem like, he's getting used in the middle of the field. So it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, that, that was another thing I, I, they need to work the middle of the field and then, you know, fields just does not. And I thought Bajan did that well or better, but it's funny. Like <clears throat> you watch him on Sunday and you're like, okay, yeah, that's a throw that he can make when he's playing for Shepard. Those like crossing routes yeah. that got intercepted. Yeah. And I'm like, so it's it's almost like it's good that he's noticing that like this guy is open. He just needs to like adjust he his speed. I'm like, yeah, yeah and and like you know, so yeah. But it's it's you know if they keep everything outside, it really it really limits things because I think defenses just close off the boundary and you know they the, and then fields hold the, the ball amount too high you're getting in the NFL right now. Like I don't think the sidelines are very open. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Um, but the other thing that I considered here for what's gone wrong with the passing offense is really the run action as well. Like yeah. to, to not put it all on fields. Cause I think Getsy deserves blame too. Mm-hmm. some of the, and for those who might not be familiar with what I mean by run action on a play action play, what the offensive line is doing, you know, they, right. they are making it look like a run with their blocking scheme and right. it's gotten better throughout the year. But the first few weeks, some of the run action that we saw from from the it was yeah. just like I, I was watching it just being like this old line might just hate Luke Getze. Yeah. Like, it, what is he asking them to be doing? Yeah. Like this is it, just ridiculous. Yeah, it's I it, it's I don't understand. I mean, there's so many things about the offensive. Like I think by a man, they have a strong on paper offensive line outside of center. But you just see some of the stuff they're asking him to do. Some of the stuff they're asking Darnell Wright to do that he's got one shoulder, like you said, and yeah. he's doing it. But it's, um, yeah, there's the run action, the inconsistent use of play action. I mean, it, they use it a lot su- Sunday, and it seemed to be working well. But um, I, the they had, I, I remember it was a weird stat you know they had Bajan under center a lot more than they typically do for their quarter you know for fields and yeah. I think Getsy was asked about that and I can't remember his answer I think it was just kind of like oh that's just what we wanted to do something that, you know and it was just like okay well you know so <clears throat> it, it, it's like I said it's like a all the parts make sense but they don't add it together so it just looks right. so so weird or so disjointed and I think that's why you get games where fields is throwing for 300 yards and four touchdowns and then he plays the vikings and struggles to break 150 so yeah i i tend to think brian flores has a little to do with well that yeah game, but... yeah yeah that's true yeah he, um, he makes everyone's life hard but to keep it moving along what are some realistic expectations for the passing offense in the second half of the year so moving um, forward and let's just assume justin fields is back this week so uh, dj moore's career highs are 1,100, 
193 yards and seven touchdowns. I think he gets past that. I, I think he's at 735 and five with eight games to go. I would think he would get past that. Um, you know, it uh, these last few games, he's been around 50 yards a, a game. It, it, I don't know, you know, it, with Fields coming back, I think Fields targets him a little more than ba Bajan spread the ball around quite a bit. I thought a little bit better than Fields does. But um, I also think DJ Moore is worth force feeding at times because he's so good. So I would expect him to um, get past his his career career best. Um, that's kind of all. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah, it's I mean, tough, it's tough to say. It's tough to pinpoint what they can do because it's so week to week fluctuates. But I think, and, and I think, uh, you know, I think Cole Komet, to your point, I think he'll have career highs this year. I think he's on a a good pace. Um, I wonder too how much having Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright as tackles helps him get a little more involved in the passing offense. Because I remember last year. Starting out, everyone was like, where's Cole Komet? Well, it was because he's happened to sit next to Riley Reef and help pass block on so many downs. So I think with a little more involvement, he'll be able to, um, you know, add to his career best and show people that he might be worth it. the contract he signed. But um, I've yeah. always liked, I've always liked Komet. I know some people don't like him. I, I like you, I, I think they're using him a lot better this year. And I think he's, I don't think he'll ever be Travis Kelsey, which is kind yeah. of what I think some people expect. But I think some of my dismay for him came from the expectations that people had of like, yeah. there's no reason this guy can't be Travis Kelsey. And right. that's kind of like, that just felt like <clears throat> ridiculous to me. You know, yeah. that this guy just cannot move like that. Physically. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, Nat, Nat, you know, Nagy drafts him. So automatically people start. Yeah. Oh, Travis Kelsey. And it's like, no, you need to watch Travis Kelsey. Like Travis Kelsey's hips are like butter. Like he can turn a quarterback around. I mean, Cole Komet, I love the guy, but I mean, it looks like um, it, it's not nearly as smoothly. I'll say that, but yeah, he's good. For, I mean, he's very good for what he does. And I, I think in this, you know, in this offense, he's, he's perfectly adequate. And never forget Bears fans with that draft pick. You could have had Chase Claypool. Let's go ahead and jump to your unrealistic expectation for the passing offense. So I'm going to get the microphone closer. No, <laughs> so I do not think Justin Fields is going to show that he's a franchise quarterback. I love the guy. I just don't, I don't think in eight, maybe even seven games, I, I don't know what he can do outside of absolutely you know having a deshaun watson-esque rookie season i know deshaun Watson, but you know he had that streak of like where he went like 18 touchdowns to one pick over a court yeah something crazy like that i just think i think that the ship has sailed i i, I don't know i mean i think they're gonna leave the door open i just think it's unrealistic to expect him to come in and finish the year super strong. I mean, the schedule is not going to get that much harder, but it's not going to be easy. Um, and, you know, I think I it's a weird spot because I don't know what assurances Ryan Bowles has given Matt Eberflus and, and I guess ostensibly Luke Getze because, you know, part of me is like, if you don't think Fields is going to be the guy and you have 30-some games of tape to make that assessment, why wouldn't you 
play Bajent and see what what you have in him. But I don't I don't think that's a, I, I think you're going to win more games with Fields, and I do think he's worth looking at. I just feel like it's going to be like a Mark Tressman thing where they think Bajent can run the offense better, and they're going to bench Fields, and then it's going to be like you're going to have like the last two games, which mean absolutely nothing with Bajent. And it's like, well, if this is what you wanted all along, why didn't you do this? So I don't know. I I, I think Fields will definitely could be successful somewhere else. I just think with the Bears, we're kind of entering the last eight games of his Bears tenure, unfortunately. Yeah. So, and the reason I asked you to go back to back there is because mine are very intertwined. So for realistic expectations, I think a realistic expectation is that Justin Fields' stat line at the end of the year will look respectable. And that will be enough to keep some Bears fans upset if he's not back. Right. but have some other Bears fans arguing why the stats could be fool's gold. Right. Like, it, it will be very – I think it's going to be very up and down, mm-hmm. but the end result will look nice and pretty. Yeah. Because it'll, like, kind of like his stats are currently, where it's like his success rate might be one of the lowest in the league. Right. But his, oh, his volume numbers actually mm-hmm. look pretty good because he had some massive games – and some really poor games and not much in between. Um, Now for the unrealistic expectation, it's the opposite of that. It's that, you know, he has massive games against say the Panthers, the Cardinals, Mm -hmm. the Falcons and the Packers. Right. And then he has good games. And by good, I mean like well above average games against the Lions twice, the Vikings who their defense isn't all that great, but Brian Flores yeah. is the Justin Fields beater. I was just saying, like, it's he like, knows yeah. how to do it. Right. And the Browns, whose defense is <laughs> filthy. Like, if he mm-hmm. goes out and does well against the Browns, I think that is your only hope that you're back in this. Right. On top of doing well everywhere else, but I don't expect it. Yeah, it's – it's depressing to say, cause like I, I definitely hitched my star to his wagon and wanted, you know, and, and yeah, but I, I think it's one of those situations where you're like, I think if he's going to be successful, it just, it can't be here or, you know? Yeah. And it, it's weird. Cause like the logical thing I think would be, you know, I think polls is going to survive another year. I, I don't think they'll fire him whether or not they should. I, I certainly am open to debate, you know, to that debate. Um, but if you're going to get rid of Eberflus and his staff, you don't want to saddle the next co- next coach with fields. Just give it a clean break. Do what they did in yeah. Houston. Get a new coach. Get a new quarterback, and, and kind of reset the clock. I just think, I think, you know that what they want Fields to be is just always going to be like antithetical to what he is. So mm-hmm. he needs to go somewhere that's going to. I don't know. Uh, I saw someone suggest, maybe it was you, suggest being a backup in Baltimore for a, a year or two. And I thought that I was, didn't say that. That could make sense. Yeah. You know, doing something but like that. Um, my, it, my, uh, I think my dream scenario for him is with Arthur Smith and the Falcons. Well, that's what, you know, I, uh, you know, I keep up with the Falcons just because they're, you know, I'm, I'm, I live in Atlanta, so they're right, right here. And yeah, I mean, fantasy people hate Arthur Smith, but, you know, if you watch the Falcons, that's an offense tailor made for what, you know, they were trying to get Desmond Ritter to do what Justin Fields was doing last year. Right. 
and Desmond Ritter is a DoorDash driver. You know, so I mean, you know, he's <laughs> he's not a court. You know, I mean, he's he's fine, but he's not the athlete that Justin Fields is. Um, with those weapons, I mean, I think I think Fields is really good friends with Kyle Pitts. I mean, it makes sense on paper for them to ship Justin Fields to Atlanta for like a, a third or fourth round pick, you know, and see if he can get something with Arthur Smith. But um, yeah, I agree. It would be one of those offenses that are definitely creative in the run game and then try to open it up downfield. Cause I've always, yeah, when Arthur Smith was, um, uh, you know, I guess uh, uh, getting hired as a head coach, I always thought I liked his offenses in Tennessee because I always thought this is what fields would really thrive in. Just heavy play. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, I think the last year Smith was there, had like these insane numbers throwing the ball downfield. And since he left, he's been not very good. I like, think age is, might have factored in. Well, yeah, and too, injuries, but like, yeah. But, um, but it was definitely like that was the tailor made off. Like, yeah, when Fields came out, I remember having a conversation with uh, some people I know of like, what is Fields' true floor? Like, where, where do you think, mm-hmm. like, what's the least he could be? And I, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, probably Ryan Tannehill. Like, yeah. you just, it, it, he needs that yeah. type of offense. It might have limited upside as far as playoffs go, but mm-hmm. like, I, I can't see how he's going to be worse than a Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comp. Like, definitely, because people forget Tannehill was like a what, a wide receiver coming out of yeah. you know, and then he converted, and he was super athletic when the Dolphins drafted him, and then he threw out, you know, he tore up his knee and kind of had to become yeah. more of a pocket passer. But um, yeah, that kind of offense I think would be great for Fields. I'd love to see. I, I mean, it almost it's almost one of those things that makes so much sense that like I don't ex- now I don't expect it that it yeah. was like you know because I remember joking. Uh, with my dad when Nick Foles was available to trade. And I was like, they had all, that was the, you know, they had all these free agent quarterbacks. And I was like, the bears are going to trade for Nick Foles. I just know it. <laughs> it just makes too much sense. And then they give up a comp pick for, you know, you're talking about backup quarterbacks on low salaries for Bajan. Yeah. What guaranteed him like 20 some million to come in. Yeah. And, you know, look like he did in St. Louis. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'd love to see fields at somewhere that at least, just let just says you know what just run it if you don't see anything and if you do just bombs away like just yeah just throw it downfield absolutely but so it's a good thing we open with the passing offense because I think that's going to be our longest topic yeah yeah but, so <laughs> moving on and we already got a quarter of this one done but rushing offense what do you think has gone right I think they built off what they did last year um, I think the scheme through I mean they're third in the NFL as a team rushing behind the Ravens and the Dolphins, surprisingly, because uh, you wouldn't expect the Dolphins to be a high rushing team, but they, they're just a full, full throttle offense. Um, six in the NFL in yards per carry with 4.6. So, I mean, they kind of picked up where they left off and <clears throat> that's with losing Montgomery with losing Khalil Herbert, having a rookie go out and Roshan Johnson, having to rely on, you know, so they've done it with, Everyone, you know, Darrington Evans comes in and looks great behind the Bears, you know, run scheme. So, um, you know, I think that's the one part of the offense that continues to show that it can work. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, so, and, and, you know, from a run blocking standpoint, just watching Tevin Jenkins, 
I mean, block eyes is just, yeah, I think you would put, a, it might be going into the, what has gone wrong, but you had made a video about Lucas Patrick run blocking. And yeah, I commented just watching Lucas Patrick next to Tevin Jenkins. It is like, it's like oil and water. And, and I mean, like, that's no diss to Lucas Patrick. Cause I mean, he definitely, I think he's okay. Not great, but I mean, Jenkins is just such a different animal when it comes to just both pass blocking and run blocking. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Jenkins is my my answer here, and it's wow. mainly because like you know, we knew he could dominate. Right. We knew how good Tevin Jenkins could be. He showed the flashes all year last year, but the thing was they were flashes. Right. There weren't games that he stacked. There wasn't a game where it felt like he was just all game locked in, getting his job done with flashes of dominance. Right. In there, it was more like dominant rep, dominant rep. What happened there? dominant rep what happened there right right and it's more the last three weeks he has hit this level of play that's just like where did this come from of like yeah. there's not many mistakes yeah and, and it's almost everything is like an above an average to above average rep and then you get the dominant flashes still yeah. within there it's just like okay you can work with this guy yeah. like this is exciting uh, it's it's one of those things where you watch it and you see him next to Darnell Wright, and I'm almost like, I know Nate Davis is a right guard. Put him at left guard because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Darnell Wright and Tevin Jenkins could be like Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson. Like maybe, I mean, obviously that's yeah, that's absolute ceiling. But Eye in the got, sky, but that's yeah, where, but the, that's where your got, head goes, though. Yeah, you've got two young guys that look like they're going to be forces for a long time. I mean, they've moved Jenkins. Ever, I mean, he played left tackle, right tackle, right guard, left guard. I mean, he'll be snapping it next year. But, like, it's like, you know, I, I understand Davis came in as a right guard, and that's what he played. But it's like it just looks so good with Jenkins and uh, right on that right right side of the line. I, I would just love to see it continue. <laughs> she She just loves the camera. <laughs> Um, that BB, it's ever seen that video that BBC like journalist that was like talking? And yeah, like, I, I think yeah. that daughter sneaks in and the wife comes <laughs> rushing in. <laughs> so, that's hilarious. Um, now now everyone so, knows, like, now everyone knows I'm not lying when I say these are my kids' toys and I don't just have a, like, <laughs> like a room of like Fisher Price stuff for myself. So, yeah, there you go. Um, so I've already touched on what I think has gone wrong this year in the run game, but mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Um, I kind of did. Well, like I mentioned Cody Whitehair, I think Lucas Patrick, uh, those are probably the two weaker links. Um, I think you can see with Lucas Patrick, he's probably better suited as a backup. Um, you know, I, I'd be curious to see him in between both Jenkins and Davis. I don't think we've been able to see that because, you know, I know everybody was up in arms because Mustafer went to Baltimore and got good grades on PFF, but it's like, well, look at the two guards he's playing next. Yeah. Like, that's going to elevate anyone's game. But, I mean, that that left-hand side of the line, um, especially when Borum was, was in there, just like you said, it just wasn't – they were not running to that side, and there's a reason is because it just wasn't effective. So that's, that's probably what's gone wrong. I mean, it's kind of nitpicking at this point because the run game is – usually pretty strong but um maybe roshan johnson i kind of expected a little more of him but um i think the coaches might be easy maybe they thought he was a little more ready than he 
than he really is. So they're kind of well, easing him in. I think some of that, I mean, you know, he had the, the concussion Concussion. that kept him out a few weeks and it's like you're not going to take the ball out of Deontay Foreman's hands exactly you know like he was running that well right um and I it's interesting I didn't realize the Bears were that strong in their volume rushing stats Mm -hmm. I would be really interested to see how that breaks down game by game and situationally because I feel like when they need stuff on the ground Mm -hmm. it's hard to get it but is. they've had really good volume stats from what it you're is. telling me. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. I, yeah, it's it is weird. Like you, you think about it and you think of all of those like third and fourth and ones that just look so difficult to convert. Right. And you're like, you would think just snap it and run behind Jenkins and right, but for whatever reason, yeah, they're they're I mean, it could be it would be interesting to see how much of it is inflated by you know, they're down by two touchdowns and Getsy is still running it, you know, evening up. Right. Because it does feel like um, there are times where even though they're down maybe two or three scores, um, they, they might run the ball to try to get, a, a, you know, some some extra yardage. But, uh, yeah, it's something worth looking into and just seeing, you know, is this is this an overall good trend or is it like, well, when, yeah, they're playing prevent defense for getting eight yards a carry or something. So. All right. So realistic expectations for the rushing offense the rest of the way i think uh with khalil herbert coming back i think this week i know he was activated off of ir i believe practiced, so. i think he practiced in full i expect him to finish top three in rushing um especially if he, when fields comes back uh i i think he'll well i don't know i Bajan surprised me with his rushing ability but um, yeah, I think they're going to commit to the run game. Uh, like I said, their schedule is not super. T- I don't expect a lot of blowout per se. Um, so I think that they'll maintain rushing and the healthier their line gets. Um, and I don't know when Nate Davis is coming back, but uh, you know, once he comes back, I'll be real interested to see kind of what it looks like with everyone there because we haven't we haven't seen that at all this year either. Yeah. Uh, so. But yeah, I, I think realistic you could finish you could see them finishing top three. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. My my answer is I mean, the sky's the limit for the like if Justin, yeah. Justin Fields back at quarterback. So you're playing 10 on 11, and you mm-hmm. finally have Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, Nate Davis, and Darnell Wright all together. I mean, I I would think Patrick stays at center at that point just because white hair snapping isn't yeah. improving anything. Yeah. And I think Patrick has been the better player overall, even if he's still not a good run blocker. Um, I think those four guys plus Justin Fields back at quarterback that this rushing offense can really, really become something strong. And yeah. I, I think get like his lining <laughs> runs, especially option runs, yeah, off of a mobile quarterback. That's what that's what gets he really excels at, mm-hmm. and that's what he does well. So that's what I think that they will. I I have a hard time with the unrealistic expectations on this. Yeah, being honest. Mine was, I mean, honestly, mine was uh, Roshan Johnson just only because they talked him up so much in preseason, and I think he's going to be good. I just, now there's like a a plethora of running backs, and it's almost like there's so many mouths to feed because you've got Khalil Herbert. I don't think you can make Foreman inactive. I mean, maybe they'll just not roll with a fullback because Blazing Game has a concussion. Um, But, you know, you've got Travis Homer who doesn't, Get money you know he's going to be special teams so you've got johnson who you know i think he's gotten three or four carries a game i think maybe he'll keep that up but yeah i mean it's it's really not 
anything unrealistic in the, in the sense of, you know, it's just kind of like, well, maybe this isn't going to be, you know, I made the dumb prediction that he'd be the, the starting running back by like week four. So from my perspective, it's like, yeah, that was unrealistic, but yeah, I, I think he'll, uh, you know, he'll have a fine season, but I, I think you'll see it next year will be when he'll really, um, I think get the spotlight. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, for unrealistic expectation here, I took more of a fantasy approach because yeah. I'm sure I'm not the only Bears fan who has Khalil Herbert and Roshan Foreman on his fantasy team. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's going to be hard to trust any fantasy asset yeah. in this Bears backfield because I think there'll be a two-week stretch where Herbert's going off and then mm-hmm. a two-week stretch where it's back to Foreman, a two-week stretch where Roshan is surprising <laughs> everybody. So I, I think it becomes a really hard to trust who it's going to be week yeah. to week. Um, yeah. I think with Herbert and Foreman, it's going to be real interesting because I noticed a lot of, especially in the Saints game, they were using a lot of like inside zone with Foreman on some of their running with, and they're an outside zone scheme. But I think they kind of had to do that because Herbert is their bread and butter with that. I mean, I think of that he reminds me of a more like a sleeker Jordan Howard. Cause like, I remember when Jordan Howard came in and John Fox ran that outside zone. You could count on him for like four or five yards every carry. It was insane. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they split it up because, you know, it, on top of it, Equinemius St. Brown is coming back. He's their best blocking wide receiver. So I think the run game yeah. is really going to keep, you know, churning. So you're telling me we don't have to keep seeing Tyler Scott trying to block an edge? Yeah. Uh, uh, Cam Jordan. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, just big, like a traffic cone. Hey, he he had an admirable effort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, It it reminds me of like what I would look like trying to trying to block. I'd get in his way and do my best, but yeah, that's an all pro defensive end. (laughs) Let's move it on to the the other side of the football. Let's start off with the pass defense. What do you think has gone right there? So, I think Jalen Johnson is the easy answer, probably the most obvious. Um, If you go by Pro Football Focus, which I know is kind of like a you know, you love it or hate it type of metric. Um, they do have him ranked as the number one cornerback with 50% of, of 408 snaps um, because there's like one guy that has four snaps with a higher coverage grade. So I had to like, but um, <laughs> yeah, I usually use 20%. 20% that's I need to do that. Yeah. Cause I was like, who's this, you know, but um, no, I, with Jalen, um, you know, they drafted him as a press corner out of Utah when I think, I think at that point it was, was it uh, Pagano was running the defense and then they kind of switched up to this more zone heavy scheme. And you're wondering, you know, how's this guy going to translate? And he's done it really well Um, to, you know, and, and uh, you know, so I, I think if you had to pinpoint one player that had done really well, I would say Johnson, you know, Jalen Johnson for sure um, has exceeded expectations. So, I'm, so Johnson was one of my options here. And since you said it, I'm going to go a different route to my right. my next option. And that is acquiring and retaining Montez Sweat. Yeah. Now, when it happened, I was nervous. Like it was because it was like this could have like blow up potential. Oh, God. Yeah. If well, they don't give you many reasons. Yeah. They don't give you a lot of reasons to have a lot of optimism. So it's like, right. I see where this is going. Well, <laughs> and there was stuff floating out there about like, you know, does Montez Sweat want to be there? Does he want to go to the right. Bears who have won, what, f- five games in the last yeah. two, one and a half years? Yeah. Like, And 
he's about to be a free agent. You have Jalen Johnson mm-hmm. and him. So like you have to choose which one you're going to tag at that point because they haven't come to the extension. Like it was blow up potential, but the fact they were able to retain him on a deal that like honestly seems fine to me, it's yeah. a little overpriced, but like that's what you're going to do when you trade for right. him. It's just, that's the way it is. Well, and um, it's so funny because that got so much blowback. And all I could think of was the Bradley Chubb trade from last year. Yeah. And they gave up, the Dolphins gave up way more to get Chubb, who was, I think Sweat's what, 27 or 28? And Chubb yeah, was he's 27. Yeah. Yeah. And Chubb was 26. The Dolphins gave up a first round pick, I think like a third round pick, and Chase Edmonds, like a running back. Yeah. And then they got Chubb and I think like a fifth round pick. And, you know, I think Sweat is as good. If I think Chubb cost that much on name recognition. But, you know, I I think Sweat is a better player. So everybody was freaking out. And I'm like, you know, look at the market. The market's kind of weird with defensive ends. And this is a good deal for someone like Sweat. Yeah, so. Who was the number one edge rusher on the market last year? Um, I mean, it was was a guy who's who's a rotational edge rusher on his team right now. Yeah. Uh, It's, I I forget their their names. Draymond Draymond Jones? Or no. Yeah, uh, I mean, even he was more like a three-tech or like a five-tech for a three-four. Like, it's not like. You were sitting there saying, man, Nick Bosa is going to be yes. available. Nick Bosa doesn't come available. Uh, the, the days you know, Montez Sweat barely comes available. Yeah, like, the, day, the days of Julius Peppers becoming available are gone. Like, yeah. It's like, so yeah. them getting that done, like that's that's the biggest win, the biggest thing that's gone right yeah. in my mind in the past defense outside of Jalen Johnson. Um, because outside of those two, there's not a whole lot yeah. that has. So what do you see as what's what's gone wrong in the past defense and why? I mean, I just it's the same as last year, just zero pass rush. I mean, they cannot for the life of them. You know, they bring in Yannick and you think, okay, well, here's a guy that like like clockwork gets 10 sacks wherever he goes. And he's been on like what three or four teams now. Except so- he has two. I actually ran numbers on this. I didn't have the heart to put an article out when they signed him about it, but like yeah. Every place he'd been except for Minnesota, he was clearly the number two pass rusher. Yeah, I, I, he always kind of came off as like a supplemental, like a number, like a good number two. Um, you know, and that's kind of what I thought when they traded for Sweat. Even though you could argue Sweat is kind of in the the DJ Moore of defensive ends, where it's like, is he a number one or is he a number two? And it's like, well, he's yeah. right on the cusp. Whatever you want to say, so. You know, you would think He's a quality having, starter, damn exactly. It. Like that's <laughs> yeah, and you would think you know, put him opposite Yannick, and you should see some more consistent pass rush. But yeah, um, I think so. I use Pro Football Focus. I don't think they count half sacks; they just count them as like full sacks. So they had the Bears at twelve. I think they might only have like ten or eleven as a team. But whatever it is, it's like it's very low. It's fewer than one a yeah. game. Or it's a little more than one a game. So it's like, and five of those came against Sam Howell. So it, it's just zero. <laughs> That's the saddest rush. part of it. Yeah. And, and yeah. almost half of them came against one, one game in one Talk game. about, yeah, fool's gold. It's like, oh, maybe they found something. It's like, oh, no, never mind. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, I will, I will uh, never lose the nostalgia of watching Javon Dexter's tape that game, though. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. For the rest it of was, my life. It was, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it so much, how it's weird they're playing him at three tech and Pickens at one yeah. tech. And it's just like, I'm sure there's like a method to the madness, but to the 
yeah. casual fan, I'm like, what are they doing? Like, why are they yeah. doing this? Like, I well, don't like, understand I, the logic. I think that like Dexter has the tools to be a good three tech. Yeah, I don't doubt that one bit. It's just that his skill set currently is more suited for a one tech. Well, that's what and I Pickens thought. Is a clear three tech to me. Yeah, and and I was like, this will be cool because Javon can rotate with Billings, and then right. uh, Pickens and uh, Justin Jones can rotate, and I'm like, that might be decent. And then you know, you can have Demarcus Walker shifting. So you know, you could do some weird things on like rushdowns, but yeah, I, I I don't understand the logic, and I don't know if Ibuflus has ever said why. They've done that that way, but I've never, you know, I, 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 I think they're not putting them in the best spot to succeed, but I'm not getting paid millions to coach them like they yeah. are. So you just got to have to defer to them. But yeah, it is like, um, you know, the lack of a pass rush is just so, yeah, so bad to see for a second year in a row. It's just painful. Now, so for my what's gone wrong, since you went pass rush, I'm going to go to secondary. So we're flip-flopping on every every aspect. Of <laughs> I, I like it. Um, secondary, <laughs> I mean, one, you're starting a rookie cornerback on the outside. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a, a guy who wasn't a top 10 pick. Right. And, I mean, you can tell me Christian Gonzalez was pick 15. That guy was a top five pick in my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like, the, there's not many rookie corners who I feel like really succeed unless they're surrounded by a ton of talent. And, like, I, th- I think Tyreek Stevenson, you knew you should have known you're going to take your lumps here. Like, yeah. it's going to be rough, especially a guy as physical as him, as in your face. Like, he's, he's going to challenge guys, and they're going to challenge him back, and usually rookies lose those battles. Right. So, I think that hurts. Kyler Gordon's injury really hurt. Yeah. And luckily he's back now. And but Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker's injuries have just been yeah. really rough on this team. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I know that there's always, you know, for the last few years, there's been such a groundswell of negativity towards Eddie Jackson. Um, mostly due to his tackling or lack thereof or whatever, you know, but he's not a box safety. He's a free safety that has to had to play in the box. Because for the longest time, the Bears were, you know, not giving him a true box safety like Risker to supplement. But, you know, you miss – I mean, Jackson knows how to get those guys a lot. You know, he knows how to – he knows how to, like – I mean, he's been doing it since Alabama when he was, you know, you know, orchestrating that whole pass defense. Like, he knows how to get guys in position. And I think it, Sunday was his third game of the year. So, it's – yeah, you know, the secondary was supposed to be a strength, and it's just – it's been a war of attrition because none of those guys can stay – you Man, know, they so can't be healthy. It was supposed to be a strength, but I, I like – I just like to play with numbers way too much. And that's mm-hmm. like – in the, like, month leading up to the season, I hate preseason. And, you yeah. know, there's like – so I'm just, like, driving myself insane trying to build power rankings out of complete and total numbers. Right. And just trying to get them, like, without – with as few flaws as possible. Right. And it's like every single way I tried to show it, the bears were bottom 10 in the league in secondary talent. And it was just because that there's no one proven there. There's nothing, there's nothing you can really say is a sure thing outside of Jalen Johnson. Yeah. And Eddie's health was a real question. Right. And even Brisker, I mean, I like him as a player, but he had so much hype for a guy that's really, I don't want to say he's not done anything, but it's 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 him and Gordon were so you know they were getting gassed up so much this priest or you know training camp, 
and it's like you know i need to see it i i you know i i yeah you know and it, it's one of those things where it's like yeah it's like the offensive line on paper it's supposed to be it looks decent but until you see them out there on the field and you know they have a weird way of dealing with rookie cornerbacks because last year with gordon they tried to like overload him by playing outside and yeah. inside and then this year it's like stevenson's getting his trial by fire which is you know it is what it is um but i am a little surprised they didn't bring in you know i thought last year xavier rhodes was like such a slam dunk just just hold over the quarterback two spot uh while we you know develop yeah. this guy and they didn't bring in you know they, they kind of um don't address it with veterans they sort of just supplement it with rookies which is fine but then yeah like you said when you're trying to kind of project them it's it's just a projection because it's based off yeah. college tape yeah um now so what do you think realistic expectations are for the pass defense the rest of the way so i think they'll meet their sack total of 23 last year <laughs> that's like i i you know i i i was trying to i don't know you know i say that tongue-in-cheek but i do think as, as sweat gets acclimated I do think you'll see a better, a more consistent pass rush. Um, I've always liked Sweat. I remember, I don't think it was, it was like, I think last year's game, he totally abused one of our tackles. And I can't remember when it was. It wasn't this game a few weeks ago, but I think it was last year. And I just remember like, that guy's got the longest arms I've ever seen in my life. And then he, you know, you saw it this past week. Um, on one of their reps, I mean, he just sticks his arm out against their left tackle. He's strong it, too. Yeah, like, I mean, that's just, not easy pushing. Yeah, and that's Andrews Pete, who's not a pushover, and just you know, you know. So it's, I think the more reps he gets, the more familiar he gets with the guys on that line. I do think you'll see a little bit better pass rush. I just hope by adding Sweat, Iberflus doesn't back off some of the aggression he's shown the last few weeks by not blitzing because. I still don't think the interior is anywhere near where you need it to be to get a consistent pass, you know, a consistent pass rush and, and, and hurry up the quarterback. So I do hope he continues blitzing, not maybe every down, but, you know, he, he needs to realize he needs to do that to get consistent pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with the pass rush as well. For me, my realistic expectation and no surprise, anyone who listens to the show knows that I'm Javon Dexter's number one fan. But it's all about Javon Dexter. Expectation is to see him successfully and smoothly run a stunt. Oh, <laughs> now he's he, you know he's very clunky out yeah. there. So it's like stunts have really not been. And right. it's like the, the Bears clearly want him to run stunts. Yeah, but it's not something he's doing very well. And like I like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I love his game. Like there is so much to develop at the same time. Yeah. Stunts is a big part of that. So I want to see him. And I think it's realistic to say it. Really develop that that second nature in any type of stunt. And I, yeah. I think it's simple as just an inside to free up the three tech or, or right. like the the one tech looping around him. If, if Zach Pickens is a one tech, who could loop around him? You know, he's got right. athleticism. Like just an inside smash to take out the center guard. Like that's something like yeah. that. Just create that value somewhere as a pass right. rusher a bit more, and ideally figure out a go to move that's not 
a bull rush. Like it doesn't right. have to be perfect, but just have it in your toolbox. The first four weeks, we could see him developing something, and it's kind of disappeared since then. Yeah. So I'd like to see it come back and start keep getting better each week, like we did the first four weeks. That's always it's. I always like. There's sometimes the way they develop, or they're they're. I have such a I have so intrigued by like their philosophy on developing players because it seems like especially on defense it's we're going to throw everything at you and you just show us what you can do because yeah. you're going to take a guy that's supposed to be a three or a one tech put him at three tech and then you're going to want him to develop a move out you know but I'm not I'm, I'm just saying it's it's but this is like no different than what they did with Kyler Gordon you've seen him do it with other rookies where you know I think they expected a lot out of Dominique Robinson. And now, you know, uh, that's a guy that's now being inactive because it's like, well, yeah, he was playing like quarterback like the year before he drafted yeah. so I, I, It would be interesting, you know, I always remember an anecdote about Brian Dayball, and it was about how he developed Josh Allen. And it was every offseason, we just picked one thing he wasn't good at. And we just worked on that all offseason. You know, and I didn't care what we, you know, if he was still bad at these other two things, we'll work on that during the season. Or, you know, it was just, yeah. I always thought that made a little more sense. But I do know some coaches are just like, we're just going to throw the book at you and you show us what you can do. And then I guess they'll tweak it from there. And that, I mean, they kind of did that with Kyler Gordon by moving him predominantly to slot. So I wonder, you know, to your point with Jervon, I'm like, I wonder if they're just seeing, you know, they're just throwing everything at him and then they're going to be like, okay, maybe he is a one tech because he just, can't get down stunting but we know he can you know bull rush and we know he can so it'll be i'm i'm, I'm a huge when i read your article about jerome when you wrote it in the offseason about guys to keep your eye on i was like oh that that actually sounds like he'd be an intriguing guy to watch so i'm a big fan of his just because i want to see him succeed too so yeah and he's a physical and athletic freak so his you know, but, feet are made of cement yeah like when he plants still, he just doesn't move it's yeah well that's what i'm like that would be like it's funny to see them even try stunting because you would think it's like yeah. let's just get you off the line like yeah. in a timely manner <laughs> like, yeah because you know so it's like why would you overload this poor guy can you know he's got you know cement shoes and he's give him yeah he's, like you said give him one thing to think about it yeah it's like any golfers out there like yeah don't improve it all at once it's right. one at a time like um but so Moving on to unrealistic expectations for the passing defense. What do you got um, there? So I just think it's going to be unrealistic to expect Jalen Johnson to sign less for less than eighteen million a year. I, uh, <clears throat> I, you know, anybody watching this is probably familiar that he requested a trade. I just I tend to think they're using the Trayvon Diggs contract as a template. He got five years, ninety-seven million. Oh. Now Jalen said, "I'm not Trayvon Diggs. I don't have the the uh, takeaway numbers that he does, but I think 18 million seems, um, you know, that would that actually sounds like a lot. I, I think it would. I'd, I'd have to look it up, but it would be like top 10 cornerback money. But he's going to get that on the open market. Some team, yeah. you know, it's 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 always this. You know, one of my well, biggest. What's the tag? 17. It's something like that. Yeah, it's going to be." Uh, I'd have to look it up. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I think we've mentioned, I've talked to you about it. Like, you know, Ryan Poles has his value-based system for guys and he does not fluctuate from it, supposedly. You know, they they put a number for a guy 
And, you know, thank God for that number, or else we'd be watching Mike McGlinchey play right tackle. But at the same time, you know, um, they have to realize if you're not going to pay Jalen Johnson maybe a little bit more than you want to, some team will for a premium position like that. And I think, you know, if you look at the Diggs contract, it's essentially, I think, like a two-year, $33 million deal, I believe. That would be perfect to do something similar for Johnson because, as we've said, everyone else in the secondary is on rookie deals because they're all young. So, um, you know, you've got Brisker and Gordon for, after this year, two more years on a rookie deal. You've got Tyreek Stevenson for three more years. Eddie Jackson is probably out the door, but you can cut him and save like $12 million. So you might as well pay Jalen Johnson because, you know, you've got so much extra value in that secondary from rookie deals that, um, you know, I think structuring it that way, kind of like they do with Tremaine Edmonds, would get him the money he wants, but also give you the flexibility for a few years down the road. Well, and to your point with the Diggs contract, it's like I, I, I've heard people say, like, if he wants the Diggs contract, I'll give that to him tomorrow. Like yeah. it's very team friendly contract. Yeah. It's that there's a lot of stuff in that Diggs contract that really favors the Cowboys. Right. Uh, it's just on paper, it's a big number. <clears throat> so if that's yeah. something like if that's something that you work with with Jay, that Jalen is okay with, you know that yeah. makes it really easy to get done. Right. Um, and I think I think eighteen million is probably about right. Like when you first said if for if for like. For under 18 million, I was like, it's my brain went straight to 20 plus, you know, and it was like, that's not what you said, though. You said 18, which I think is like, that's the that's the number right there. 18 and 19 is where I'd expect, especially after, you know, I think before the season, they probably could have had him at 15, 16. Well, that's what a lot of fans are still like, we can get a 14 or 15. And I'm like, not with the year he's having. I just, you know, and, um, you know, Diggs has better ball numbers, but. They're two different players. Like Jalen is always going to be more technique, more, you know, he's going to play for the pass break. I, I think you mentioned that too. Is, you know, we've talked about yeah. how it, it's just two different types of players. And, you know, one of the knocks on Diggs is he gives up a lot of big plays. Um, I think he's cut it down the last year or two, but he was kind of like a feast or famine quarterback, whereas Jalen is very good at taking away one side of the field and, you know, yeah, he's been opposite rookies, and it's easier to pick on a rookie than Jalen Johnson. But if he wasn't good, they'd, they'd pick on both of them. So, you know, right. I, I think he's worth that money, and I, I do hope they re-sign him because I think at that point, then you really can point to each level of the defense having a playmaker. You know, you've got Jalen, you've got T.J. Edwards and Edmonds, and you've got Sweat, and then you can really start building that defense. Um, if they let Jalen Johnson go, I just think it opens up a huge hole that, uh, you know, they're going to struggle that to fill, especially in free agency or the draft when they've got so many other, you know, pressing, more pressing needs. Yeah. All right. So let's just get to the run defense here before we wrap this thing up. So what has gone right in the run defense, in your opinion? Um, They've basically given up almost half as many yards as they did last year. So it's on a per game basis. I think it's at like 79.7 yards a game versus – 157.3 um you know that was so bad last year like there was nowhere to go I forgot how bad it was last year god I mean it was just there's nothing worse than watching a team that cannot defend the run it's just it's just so it's just like watching like yeah yeah it's so demoralizing so 
they're fourth in the NFL. Um, who knows how good, you know, those numbers, again, teams are, it's not like they have a great defense. I think they have an improving defense, but teams also realize, well, we can snap the ball. We have six seconds to sit in the pocket and throw because they can't get a pass rush. So, you know, uh, hopefully you start to see an impact with, with sweat brought in and the pass rush. But yeah, I mean, overall, if you watch Eberflus or if you track Eberflus back to his indie days, it's been, let's, let's start with stopping the run and then go from there. So I think, you know, this year he has, he has done that, that the bears are a lot better at stopping the run than they were last year. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they absolutely are. And, um, surprisingly they're actually, wait, I guess this is, so I think this is 10th least they've been run on in the league. Okay. So like that, that's kind of to your point. I, I believe yeah. I'm on PFR and just says 10 for 10. <laughs> so yeah. I assume that that's like the 10th least right. rush attempts against, um, which I mean, if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm going, well, they're, pretty, they're, they're fine at stopping the run. I'll just pass yeah. it. You know, yeah. like, what am I doing? Not, here? Um, quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. But so for me, what I, what I think it's gone right. I mean, it's it's that brick wall named Andrew Billings, man. That dude yeah. is oh he's so I awesome. I love watching him play. Yeah, I I was so high when I mean I was so high on that signing. Like I just thought like because it reminds me of like um you know it's just like such one of those underrated signings. I think I you know it reminded me of like when they signed Spice Adams, even though they're totally different players. I just was like it's those underrated signings that you're They're like. They're kind of similar, though, in the way they yeah. create leverage, the little, little yeah. shorter guy. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, short, like 6'1". Right, like. <laughs> right. But it's like you you just, those fly under the radar, and then it's like he gets extended, and there's not much fanfare. And I'm like, people should be losing their minds. This guy's, like, good. Yeah. Like, and he's young. I think he's, like, 27. It's not like he's yeah. some, you know, 35-year-old journeyman. So it's, I, I, I'm, I totally agree. He's been awesome. So what's gone wrong in the run defense, despite how, how strong their stats are? What, what are you I, concerned about? Looking? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's been a lot of missed tackles. I think PFF charted them at 81, which isn't awful, but I also feel like it kind of, it seems more isolated to games that it just seems like, especially the linebackers. I mean, we saw it against the Chargers. Um, Edwards misses a tackle on Austin Eckler, and he runs for like a 35-yard touchdown. Um, you know, again, it's, it's nitpicking because their run defense has been pretty good. Uh, but you know, there are some fundamentals where you would just kind of hope that, uh, you know, missed tackling, gang tackling, um, they haven't, you know, caused many fumbles or turnover or takeaways. I think they like to call them. Uh, but you know, beggars can't be choosers. The run defense was so bad last year that. It's one of those yeah. um, one of those things where it's like, well, there's still some stuff to clean up, but overall, I'm, I don't have much to complain about. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, if there's one thing I'd say, it's really um, Tremaine Edmonds. You, you, were, yeah. you were hoping to see a little more game changing plays from him, a little more, you know, hit him being able to use that speed, that length to find his way into run gaps that he's doesn't really have business being in, you know, that's right. kind of thought, what you thought you were getting was a gap eraser who could kind of make things happen that cover for other people's mistakes. Yeah. And I'm not sure you've gotten that, but I mean, there's really not a lot to complain about with the run. Defense. Yeah. It's funny with Edmonds. It's I mean, I've always been a big fan of Sanborn from last year and 
I think Edmonds is really good. I just, to your point, you know, you see Sanborn, and I mean, that guy is like a heat-seeking missile when it comes to playing the run or, you know, and yeah, he's inferior in pass coverage, but, um, you know, you would like to see a little more out of Edmonds, you know, similar yeah. similar play style. The instincts, like, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the trigger of yeah. pulling the yeah. trigger to just yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, because you can see, I mean, Sanborn, it just seems like he can diagnose the play quick, and he's he, he's off like a, you know, a bat out of hell. He's going to not, you know, and it's just a hair later with, with Edmonds, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's splitting hairs. You know, they're both fine players. I just I always have a soft spot for Sanborn, and I hate to see him relegated to, like, 12 yeah. plays a game when it's got Edmonds and Edwards, so. A Sam backer in a nickel league. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, for me, realistic – I'm, or I'm just going to jump into realistic expectations. Uh, so realistic expectation for the run defense, I think some minor regression as they start to get healthier right. in the back end and the coverage might pick up. You might see teams start to target and game plan a little more for how to beat this run defense. Um, so it's really kind of almost taking a, a, like a half step back of like right. we're, we're solid, but we're not as good as our numbers yet. But we're we're showing that we can be that good in it maybe a year like right. this can really be a foundational thing for us right but That's what do you of, think i had the same i mean i had so they're they're fourth now i had them finishing like top eight which is kind of like an arbitrary number but it was for the same reason i was like you know i don't think they're going to get worse especially after adding sweat um i do think they're going to start seeing teams like detroit and cleveland and atlanta that you know are going to be a little more committed to the run game um, so, you know, like you said, they've been, teams have been able to pass on them. Um, you know, bend it, bend don't break, I guess is kind of, if you wanted to, you know, go that yeah. route, call it that. But, um, you know, hopefully a Jackson coming back with Brisker coming back, you would hope that with the back end stiffening up that you would be able to, you know, maybe the run defense suffers a little bit, but overall the defense gets better. Yeah. And so for, Unrealistic expectations. I think uh, expecting more is all. Like, I think that's yeah. all I would leave it at. Just like it, 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 I think where they're at right now is probably about as good as we're getting as far as like the run defense numbers right. go. And to expect more might kind of. I think you're going to be left disappointed. Yeah, I agree. Like I had the same difficulty coming up with unrealistic because yeah, it's it's not quite fool's gold because I definitely think this was like an emphasis from Eberflus this offseason. Because, I mean, even depth guys like Racine Green that they brought in were predominantly run-stopping defensive ends that were taking the place of uh, so Terrell Lewis was the guy that, you know, everybody wanted to keep because he was, you know, racking up sacks in the preseason. It's like they're going to prioritize run-stuffers. I, I feel like that's yeah. going to be such a point of emphasis. But, um, yeah, I think this is probably, especially with – they they still don't have a difference maker at three at the three tech and um, maybe Jervon Dexter is that or you know if not I, whatever the plan is they have to get that a penetrating three tech to really I think transcend the defense so I think stopping you know they don't have a Tommy Harris or anyone of that caliber yet uh, to sort of elevate the defensive line and until they do I think you're kind of seeing from a run-stopping standpoint, sort of the ceiling of it right now. Um, right. 
which could get higher once they get someone like that, but that's to be determined if they, you know, we're going to address that. Absolutely. So as we close out here, we'll put you on the spot. 2024 NFL draft, Chicago Bears on the clock, pick one. Who are you taking? Man, I got to go with, I think I'm going with Drake May. I, Ooh, okay. I I'll take. Yeah, I, you know. Uh, hey, I'm, a, a lot of people who know way more about football than me agree with you. So I'm, I don't have, I don't even know my opinion. So yet, like, <laughs> it, it comes with the caveat that I think Drake may is perfect for this offense. I think what he does, he's almost like a Tyson Bajant, but with a howitzer, like, I think, you know, if you watch some of those, you, you know, I'm a Georgia. So do you think gets he's back? See, that's the thing. I, I can't imagine. Like, that's what I was going to ask you. I was like, all this stuff is, it's like, I, you know, all this stuff that they're doing better, it's almost, it's like, I don't know what to make of it because, like, I can see stuff slowly coming together for Eberflus, like with the defense. And with Getsy, you could see flashes of things, but I'm like, but from an actual, like, leadership standpoint, I don't know if these are the guys. Because, like, there's just yeah. so many. But they, they, hold themselves so accountable though. Uh, I think you're on mute, by the way. Sorry, folks. I think we, yeah, it, I think we lost them there for a minute. Um, but let's see. All right. Well, thank you folks for watching with us, for sticking with us. Oh, wait, let's see. Sorry, am I? Oh, you got me. Oh yeah, you're good. You're good now. What happened? It just a lot. I was just gonna say, uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know what they're gonna do with it. You know, every part of me is like, get rid of this, this clean house. I don't know. You know, they seem over their head from an actual like leadership standpoint, but then you can see the traces of what they're trying to build. So I, I don't know. I, you yeah. know, would. Because honestly, we all know how it's going to happen. They're going to hang on to these guys. They're going to draft Drake May, and then they're going to fire him next year and hire someone else. That oh, the cycle of suck continues. Yeah, so it's like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, you know, if I'm if I'm Kevin Warren, I go to Ryan Poles and I say, you can keep Eberflus and Getzi, but you have to keep Justin Fields for the fourth year, or you can fire Eberflus and Getzi and then draft a quarterback, but you can't do both. Yeah. So, you know, because it's almost like you've got to hold his feet to the fire because I, I genuinely think Poles wants to keep Eberflus and draft a quarterback. And I just, that just seems like a recipe for disaster. But who knows? I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, I think that's all we got. Thank you so much for coming on and oh. helping us out with the guest appearance, Nick. Yeah, this uh, was awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, this is, I've been looking forward to this for a while. So <laughs> it's been great. Great. Yeah. And make sure everyone out there to go check out Nick's writing. That's Nick DeMeo over at ontapsportsnet.com. And you can find him on Twitter at sniper underscore 1154 or posting on, on Chicago Bears Reddit. Where, that's you right. know, Get those hot that's, takes. Yeah. yeah. That's where the hot <laughs> takes are. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, take it easy, guys. Appreciate Remember, everyone, we are one of two Bears podcasts over at ONTAP Sportsnet. 
along with Bears Nation. Make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports needs. We got Cubs, we got White Sox, we got Bulls, we got Bears, we got Hawks, we got all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's it, we got podcasts and all that. We got writing on all of it. We have YouTube content. Make sure you go subscribe to our YouTube. Thank you to everyone and anyone out there who helped us get to a thousand followers last week. And Nick, we'd like to get out of here with a bear down. So I'll let you let you do the honors. Oh, bear down, baby. Woo. <laughs> I lost my voice. That was so pathetic. But you can cut that and use that however you want. But yeah, let's bear down. Let's maybe next year. But you know, it's fun while you know, it's the enjoy the season while it's here because before you know it, we'll be having to hang out and do hobbies on Sunday. Oof. Yeah. Bear down. Bear down, guys. Let's see. It's ending.